0: Today on the program, we have Monica Shorn. said you have six
1: jobs. (laughs) I have six jobs, yeah.
0: Who over the last six years has worked in different capacities for different film festivals.
1: Maybe I'm getting too old for this. Maybe I need like a real job. Because there are weeks when I can work from home for like three months. And that's awesome.
0: Given all the experience she has with film festivals, she has a lot of advice for filmmakers. When they go to make a film, but also when they go to submit their film.
1: To create with intention is one thing, but then to distribute, to exhibit with intention is a whole other. I would say length is one of the easiest ways to get something in. If it's short, if it's to the point, if it's, a, if it's a real commitment to a story universe, I would say specificity.
0: You're listening to Media on the Radio, a podcast that features conversations with media professionals. Thanks to everyone who's been listening. Our numbers on iTunes have been doubling every month. Please give me a like on Facebook and also follow me on Twitter at Media on Radio. And I know you went to to NYU.
1: Mm -hmm. I was Um, at Tisch and I don't know, I was a very anxious film student being on all the student productions because I could see where the money was going. I could see all the anguish of the auditions and the late nights. What is Tisch? Oh, Tisch is the, um, so it's the Canbar Institute of Film and Television at the Tisch School of the Arts at New York University.
0: Cool. And can you just talk in general about the program?
1: When I was applying to colleges, I didn't know specifically that I wanted film school. I was always interested in film. And I figured if I'm going to throw my hat into the ring, I might as well make it the best ring it could be. And it's a four-year program. They've also got a graduate program for film and television production. It was incredible. I got in for God knows what reason. I I think my college application was like an old Zanga blog entry, like really confessional. And I didn't know screenwriting format at the time. I just, I thought, well, this could probably be really cinematic. And they wanted a writing sample and I sent it. But you know, it's a, it's a familiar story for a lot of suburban kids who grew up watching like Jackass. And you think, well, I can get a camera and I have friends and, and we can <laughs> commit something. I, don't, I was just talking about this with my husband. We kind of came of age at a really interesting time. You know, we were in high school before there was Wikipedia and YouTube came out, I think the lazy Sunday digital short on SNL came out like my second week of college. So the idea of like these little portions of media, it wasn't quite there yet. You know, we, I would watch the behind the scenes um, extended edition of the Lord of the Rings DVDs and think, well, it takes a lot of people to make that. And I wanted to be one of those people. Um, so when I got to Tish, I thought it's, you know, college is gonna be an upheaval either way. So I might as well like go to New York City and really I I think it's like a little bit of a martyr complex. If I'm going to suffer, I want to suffer like beautifully and cinematically and maybe in like a gutter in Manhattan. And it just sounded it sounded promising, you know. Um, And it was great. Um, The first two years, they really what's so interesting about the Tisch program is that they really break it down into your first semester. It's just images, still photography. And your second semester, it's just sound. So we would produce radio plays or we would just listen to, like, we'd pick apart Garrison Keillor and think, well, why is this a good story? And what elements make up this kind of cinematic universe? And so all the while, as a storyteller, you're kind of, you're getting to the most essential, most iconic images of what resonates with an audience. And then they just kind of let you go. So people go off to the animation program. People um, study to be DPs. My, My own track was screenwriting and then children's media. It's not competitive. I was really afraid film school would be competitive. But it's it's much more collaborative than I thought. It still was a little bit of a boys club. And so I ended up finding um, the student-run feminist film festival. And that's what got me hooked on festivals, that whole lifestyle. It was an easy way to find a home for all those projects we were working on.
0: It's interesting because I feel like NYU, and and, and this is me completely speculating, yeah. you can you correct can me, I talked to some uh, one of my friend who's an actor out in L.A. and he said the student films are professional films <laughs> to well, a certain yeah, degree. Yeah,
1: that's the thing. It's, and it's
0: you're modeling this this kind of real world um, as opposed to what you referenced before is somebody just grabbing a camera and yes, modeling Jackass, for example. Exactly. And what I find too is because I've I've worked on really small crews and you know my last film had a crew of four or five yeah, people. Yeah. What it also models is you're. You're playing a specific role and maybe you're, on your project, you're the director, but on another project, you're exactly you're the production designer or whatever. How, can you talk about that experience?
1: Sure. And it's when you said playing a role, it, it really is, especially when you get to film school. They say, well, this is a place to make your mistakes. It's going to you know, you, of course, you're going to aspire to have professional quality, but your students and this is the trial and error phase. And they wanted to make sure the stakes were attainable for us. But at the same time, you could really see who fancied themselves, Hunter S. Thompson. You know, we had these, everyone picked up smoking. Everyone kind of wanted to be Truffaut, Or they, they, like me, they thought if I'm in New York City, here, this is my Wes Anderson face. Like, these are my smoking jackets. These are my fedoras. Which is, it was so interesting to see kind of people's aesthetics fall into place like that. But you couldn't stay stagnant. There's there's no way because, like you said, you're playing different roles. So it's really humbling very quickly, you know, to see Wes Anderson as a grip or everyone had to be flexible. You have to wear those hats early and often. And a lot of people felt, you know, more comfortable in that kind of guerrilla film crew. And a lot of them gravitated to the doc program or a lot of the real loners. They knew that they wanted that solitude of an editing room or a sound booth. But you're right. It's it's a lot of pressure when you think I have these beautiful polished pieces of equipment and I have these minds to pick I want to live up to those expectations it's a lot to put on yourself I don't know I think the best thing I learned was how to take criticism when you're in that writer's room and you've got someone trashing your sketch or (laughs) saying yeah but you know I don't think I don't think he should get the girl and suddenly it's really raw and it's you're really vulnerable You know, giving feedback now as someone who is on the other side of these submitted things to film festivals. It's a really specific, really intimate kind of rapport. You have to you have to start, you know, putting yourself into those shoes.
0: What was that period like after graduating from a program like NYU? And and was there a feeling of like, okay, well, what now?
1: Yeah, there absolutely is, because most people, when they finish up, they they felt really good in New York or they knew they were always going to be West coast based. And I didn't have that. I wasn't really sure what I wanted. Um, so I moved for six months to Brooklyn and I got this great internship with the Nantucket film festival and they were so good to me because I think they had intended their intern to have like two days available or three days available, but I just kept coming. Like I was, I was just always there. Like they'd show up at the office and there I was and I had a lot of time and you know, the electricity kept getting turned off in the apartment. And it was, you know, I had, it was six months and I just had an air mattress. And I kept thinking, yeah, no, like this weekend I'll go to Ikea. And I just never did. <laughs> My parents worried a lot, I think. <laughs> um, but Nantucket was so wonderful because they saw I was there and they couldn't really give me more than the intern stipend they had. But what they could do was start letting me read screenplays. So Nantucket Film Festival is primarily a screenwriters film festival. So they really honor the craft of storytelling and they have um, late night storytelling where people, their names are drawn from a hat and you come up, it's like the moth in New York City and LA. It's just storytelling. Um, So they would send me home with a stack of screenplays and I could get $15 a piece just for reading and grading them. It was a queen-size air mattress, so it was just me, so I thought, well, screenplays can go on the other side. So <laughs> <laughs> it was, I don't know, it was my own, it was the only companion I had after college, and it was a really good one.
0: Since you had a concentration in screenwriting, yeah. what was something that, you know, stuck out in your mind when, when you were reading scripts, and how did you grade them? What was your system?
1: Well, that's my, it's still my bread and butter. Um, six years later, they have I read four four different competitions now. I mean I and I don't regret film school in any way, but this has been the best education I could have as a filmmaker. One of the biggest things that's taught me is how much you have to honor that process, even the worst thing that comes across my desk in a week, someone committed that to paper, and that's more than I've done. You know, like <laughs> I haven't I haven't written in a couple couple months, couple years. What's interesting is you can definitely tell a lot of people who submit you know, they've, they've lived a full life and they've retired. And now with this free time, they're finally, they get to be the hero. And you can really tell that maybe in their real life, like that wasn't the role they played. But here on this paper, they get the girl and they get the job and they, you know, they ride off into the sunset. Because I think we all, at least, you know, if you're getting ready for a first date, you've got that playlist, you've got that soundtrack, you know, in your mind, you can have that slow swagger in. And very rarely does that come to pass. But on the page, you can have that. <laughs> on the page, like all of those playlists come to pass.
0: Slow-mo. Slow-mo, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, you're
1: panning from the ground up and this girl's got great legs. And so it's, I don't know, it's, it's fantasy. A lot of it is fantasy. You really, you do need to be delicate but forthcoming because it's, a, it's hard. That's like the best thing I learned at, at film school is how to receive feedback and to give it. Because, you know, especially when you're paying to submit and you're paying to have yourself scrutinized, it's it can get rough really quickly. Mm.
0: Everybody's met people that that come to them, especially if you work in the film industry and they come up to you at a wedding at a party and they say, you know what, I, I just got I got the best idea for a screenplay. <laughs> and it's all up here. And mm-hmm. it's it's just, you know, you wouldn't believe how good it is. It's just perfect. And. You know, of course you're like, Oh, well, that's cool, man. If you're curious, you ask him what it is. Mm-hmm. If not, it's like, Great man, well good luck with that that idea, you know. What what do you think separates somebody like that that may have potentially a really good idea from someone that, that writes a script that then is viable? How many years of work is that?
1: The thing is when you've lived with it in your head for so long, once you finally start to commit it to paper, it's a risk. And you're opening yourself up to thinking, how do I do it? And what if it's not coming out? You know, everyone's got that first chapter of a novel or they've got the opening scene, but nothing else. But I think it's once you get really comfortable using those muscles, like any other muscles, those writing muscles, I don't know, you get in the groove and you start to honor the process. Because I don't know what they say, like a great writer rewrites. That's That's the difference, is being okay with multiple drafts and understanding that it's not a one and done. And if it is a one and done, then that's, you know, a rare and beautiful thing. And we should let the Smithsonian know, you know, but <laughs> starting off, it's going to be sloppy. And some people like to, you know, they they write for like Tarantino writes for dialogue mm-hmm. and he kind of revels and he can forecast the performances. But for some people, writing is much more atmospheric and they want to kind of craft that story universe. Or a lot of it depends on the genre. If you're working for a sci-fi feeling, you've got to kind of nail the technology and nail the different rhythms and relationships of the characters to the world and the the new challenges that they face. So one of our earliest, earliest exercises at at Tish at the film school, we would just write a day in the life of a character, you know, and this could be not a, not the protagonist, not the antagonist, but the lunch lady at the school cafeteria, but really understanding what her day looked like.
0: Yeah, I had a writing teacher that had an exercise and it was kind of a theoretical exercise, but it was, you know, it, in the cure for writer's block is to go to the building down on Main Street um, on the corner of 1st and Main, count 20 bricks over and 20 bricks up and write a 10-page story about that brick.
1: Ooh, I like that.
0: <laughs> it has to be about that brick.
1: About that brick.
0: <laughs> Which is, you know, gets completely throws you out of your your mind because yeah. oh well, i'm trying to create this huge story mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it's, you gotta just, start brick it's really brick. just really just an exercise yeah but yeah it's the idea of of there's so much out there to write about it's just you kind of get stuck in your own head you do bit. but i mean one <laughs> of the
1: most popular subreddits is just writing prompts and some of them are bizarre like when dolphins finally wage civil war, what's the treaty going to look like? And it's that kind of disruption you need. Yeah. I think as a writer, you need a little bit of disruption right. and you need a little bit of discomfort.
0: What I learned when I because I had a creative writing minor in college, yeah. the, the big thing of not knowing the idea is that, you know, when you're writing, you it's a tactic to not know where the story is going to go and you're building it and you're seeing it materialize as you write it, as opposed to. One of the, I think, the main points of writing in general is that the story has to go somewhere, is it has to bring somebody to a specific point. And so that is, I think, a real, you know, conflict of not knowing, but then it also has to go somewhere.
1: Not only do you have to kind of take the character somewhere, but this, so this is my new phrase that I've been using a lot of my my thinking, is there has to be a new normal. There has to mm. be a new a new daily routine even if it's not that much changed there has to be a new normal a new set of
0: interesting realities
1: yeah that i found it a lot in the films i've been reviewing for festivals and then the scripts that are coming across my desk you know it's and i think that's with films that really punch you in the stomach it's when the characters are resigned or making peace with something and it's not quite a happy ending but it's a new normal Mm. I don't I honestly I think I, I think it was my therapist who came up with that phrase I'm like I'm gonna run with this Kathleen like <laughs> this is great I like this new normal
0: cool so let's get into the film festival work that you've done I know you work for AFI Docs and that's a premier festival in, in Washington DC it's a documentary festival um, in Silver Spring can you talk about the work that you've done over the years or last couple
1: years? Yeah. So I think, God, I think I've been with AFI docs for five years now. Um, and I grew up in silver spring. I grew up, I'm two blocks away from the theater, the silver theater and right on Colesville road. And I started, I started off just coordinating the pop-up happy hours they have for their filmmakers. Um, I was the girl running the popcorn machine and it was small, but I could be useful. I could be kind of that right hand girl. But just being in that energy and being around filmmakers that's, that's what i've learned is a lot of them kind of come around the festival circuit at the same time you see them you know they see each other in sundance or south by southwest and then they come to afi and generally right after afi they go off to nantucket again um and it kind of becomes the class of 2014 and there's a familiarity with with each other so this will be my third year as the um production coordinator for AFI, but then I'm also working as the associate programmer for the Annapolis Film Festival. So that gets me um, into the process earlier. Something as small as the venues, it's so indicative of the kind of community you're bringing it to. Um, AFI, of course, has the support of the American Film Institute, so it's a very different kind of vibe. We have access to um, the museum for a screening venue, or the actual you know, proper cinema theaters of the AFI Silver Theater. But at a place like Annapolis, it kind of gives me goosebumps. We're screening films in, you know, St. John's College. We've got two different churches, an Episcopal and a Methodist. We've got um, a school gymnasium. You walk in there and you think, well, let's have a sock hop. But, you know, when the lights go down, you're still transported. And it's a very different kind of community feel.
0: Well, I've been to, in um, full disclosure, I have a film. Yeah, we, we've, got, film festival, <laughs> we've got Devin and um, Louis film this year. Um, which is Kandahar Journals, which we were very excited to be accepted. I got to tell festival.
1: you, with my proofreading, I got it, I have to tell everyone it's plural. It's not just a journal. It's Kandahar yeah. Journals. It's Multiple. like one, one of the ones that keeps coming up. <laughs> no, that's a colon. It's not a hyphen. And it's Kandahar <laughs> Journals.
0: So that was, it's really exciting because... Speaking to what you're talking about, one of the reasons we submitted, I've been to Annapolis Film Festival as a spectator, as a mm. as a moviegoer. And what I find about it is it is very community oriented. You are celebrating the filmmakers by sc- having as many screening rooms as possible and having a lot of local film as well.
1: It's like making a mix CD for a guy you've got a crush on. Like, you know, <laughs> if you get the order of the songs right, like then he'll know how you feel. And it's never that simple. But It feels so critical to me. Um, And so figuring out who you have a crush on, what the community you're crushing on is. And then, you know, what song am I going to play for the military community? What song is going to get the sailors in? And you got to order it just the right way. But I think what really makes it have that community feel, both the co-directors are filmmakers themselves, Patty and Lee. That was their, you know, they're still half the time they're in the back edit room working on their next project the other half of the time they're up front working on the film festival. So they know, you know, a lot of times film festivals like um I like at Sundance and at Cannes, they are places to get deals done. They're are kind of different tiers now where mm-hmm. you know you're there for the marketplace or you know you're there for the beautiful celebrities. But there's also the chance to really create conversation. And for some of these smaller festivals, you gotta get you gotta get the buzz going. Because you know it's one of the easiest ways to kind of, I don't know, make you feel comfortable. Is you know we're gonna we're gonna experience this together in the dark. It's gonna be a little bit, a little bit scary. But when we come out, we're all gonna be on the other side, and we can talk about it. Um, which is why it's always really important to actually have filmmaker representation. And a lot of times, you know, people are so filmmakers are spread so thin. But I think you see it especially with the rise of things like Kickstarter and Indiegogo crowdfunding leads to kind of an earlier, an earlier commitment to a project from an audience. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we've ever really seen that before. You know, you can wait, you can give your $12, buy some popcorn, but you haven't been connected with the process. I think it's, it's really open doors for filmmakers to say, I've got this idea, I want you on board. And then throughout, you can give little updates.
0: What is it about film festivals and kind of the journey that you go on putting on a film festival because you're working you said you have six jobs. I
1: have six jobs, yeah. (laughs) So it's kind of
0: piecemeal, right? You're you're working these different festivals in different capacities. What is it about it that that's fun for you or that brings you back every year?
1: Oh God. I mean and and you're asking the question at the perfect time because we are kind of reaching that, you know, you're on call through the weekends, you don't there are no standard hours. But it's like summer camp. You might have a great counselor, you might have a weird counselor. The food is sometimes terrible. Someone's got scurvy. Someone's got poison ivy. You go home, you're so happy to be in clean clothes. You think, I can't wait to go back again next year. So there's something about it that really takes, I don't know, you can use, use all the phrases. It takes a village. You know, we're a family. But by hook or by crook, you are. It takes five months to put together a festival that lasts four days. And you have to really keep that perspective. Otherwise, you're kind of sitting there and like, oh no, like California Tortilla doesn't want to donate tortillas. Like it must have been something I do. But when you're calling upon so many people and you're you're so desperate to kind of honor the film by bringing it an audience and bringing that conversation, it's, it's addictive. And I think, I don't know, six years in, I think, well, maybe I'm getting too old for this. Maybe I need like a real job because there are weeks when I don't have to wear pants and I can work from home for like three months. And that's awesome. But then I start to miss, I miss the office. I miss being the gypsy again and then I think okay put pants on go to the office and I get to do it you know if if it's not this exposure they're doing it for the passion they're doing it for telling that story why wouldn't I want to be around that kind of energy there was there was the big thing with Louis C.K. at the Oscars this year you know mm-hmm. this is short documentary
0: yeah that's <laughs> hilarious it a little too close to home it for hit me. extremely <laughs> close to
1: home and everyone in the room was kind of like okay Monica this is your this is your ship no regrets no regrets yeah
0: um, you've done programming for film festivals. What is it that you're looking for in terms of, let's say, in a short? Mm. What are you looking for in a short? That, and it, of course, it's going, you're looking to build a program. Yes. So that's obviously not a one-size-fits-all answer. But what are the elements, and w- what makes something that says that's g- definitely going in doesn't matter genre versus mm. something that's like we're, we're going to have to pass this year
1: you can tell if something is 32 minutes that story probably could have been cut down to 17 to 6 i would say length is one of the easiest ways to get something in if it's short if it's to the point if it's uh, if it's a real commitment to a story universe i would say specificity is a really key way of locking in because sometimes it is a little more a little more nebulous a little more floaty, atmospheric. And the great thing is there is a festival for that kind of work. I think if a filmmaker really does their research and they know why they're applying to where they're applying, it's the same way with college. You know, I didn't apply to cooking school, but if someone really knows that that's what they want, there are places to pursue that. So I think if you know a filmmaker has a, at least a somewhat sense, doesn't have to be a keen sense of who your audience is and they know their own audience, you know, to, to, to create with intention is one thing but then to distribute to exhibit with intention is a whole other some of the strongest work we have is in that six to 14 minute range it's got a really distinct voice it doesn't have to have dialogue even you know some of the best storytelling work is images alone and some of the most kind of entertaining things are non-stop punch lines and and bickering back and forth
0: can you Tell us the dates of the Annapolis Film Festival sure and where we can find out more information. Yes.
1: So our opening night is March 31st. For the first time, we're exhibiting a film at the U.S. Naval Academy, which is big news. So we're all kind of making sure our brass knuckles are left at home. You know, I have to totally change my outfit. So it's going to be opening night, March 31st, and it goes through the weekend of April 3rd, all throughout downtown Annapolis in their arts district. And the slate is released. The tickets are on sale. If people want to go to www.annapolisfilmfestival.com that's where all the information is
0: great well thanks for coming on
1: thank you for having me Devin
0: the show is recorded at Arlington Independent Media check out arlingtonmedia.org for more info this is Devin Gallagher host of Media on the Radio and thanks for listening please give me a like on Facebook and also follow me on Twitter at Media on Radio